Career Disruptors is the podcast for senior managers who are not afraid to challenge the status quo, who challenge assumptions, and who push the boundaries and love shattering conventional wisdom. I'm Coach Caroline De Kimper, empowering professionals to build a personal brand that gives them the confidence they need to go after the career they want and deserve. This episode is the audio recording of a video or live stream because I know that many of you just love to listen to the juicy content. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, it's Caroline, career and leadership coach. And today I want to talk about the six deadly mistakes six-figure job seekers make in an interview. And to be honest, it is really very common. Um, I give interview training with the people that are in my community every single week, every single Monday, so at 7.30. And uh, these are the six things that come up over and over again. So I want to share them with you because when you get to an interview for roles at your level, you need to nail it. You don't want to risk it that you're not good enough or that you're not bring your A game. So um, let me break it down. Let me zoom out for a second. So there are three most common reasons why people don't get the job. So from the moment that you are going to, to an interview or when you are invited, hiring managers, HR, whoever is interviewing you, they go from a screen out process to a screen in process. So what do I mean by that? Screening out is basically um, when they put a job ad on and they receive 300, 500,000 applicants for their job, they want to get rid of as many candidates as possible. So screening out. When they've selected their three to five candidates that they want to invite for an interview, they have a screen in process. So based on those candidates, they want to make a decision that they select the successful candidate for the job. So screening in process. So the reasons why you didn't get the job is one of three most common reasons. And the first reason is that they that there is just no cultural fit. And that goes in both directions. You don't fit into the culture that they're looking that they have and you uh, and they don't see the cultural fit with you. And that is okay. You can't expect that you would fit in every single cu- culture that you interview for. So that's the the first thing. Second thing is their mindset. Now their mindset, not yours, their mindset. So if they just had a fight with their partner or if they um, are going to have a really important nerve-wracking board meeting just after the interview, their mindset is not going to be 100% in the interview. So no matter what your interview skills are, it's going to be very challenging to break through that clutter that's going on in their mind. So those are the two reasons that are not in your control. And people shy behind those very often. But actually, it's a third reason that is the problem. And the third reason is completely in your control. And that is that you didn't give the confidence that you can do the job. Now, here is the thing. Everybody at your level or for the jobs that you are going for, they have the skills and the capability to perform the job. 
Otherwise, people wouldn't uh, waste 45 minutes of their time to actually invite you for that interview. So it's really important for you to actually go that extra mile. So if you fail the interview, that could be because, yes, there is no cultural fit. Yes, their mindset wasn't there. Or it might be because you didn't really give the confidence. Now, that part, you want to minimize the risk and maximize your opportunities. Now, there are six reasons that I distilled all the feedback of the people that are in my community, uh, of, uh, that are in my community. So all their feedback, I distilled that in the six most common mistakes that I see with job seekers for six-figure roles. Now, the first thing is that they don't make a good first impression. Now, if you see any moment in time that is making an uh, impression on you what's really important is that first impression and that goes in in anything in life so you want to make sure you give the best first impression in a job interview because that is also a moment in time they have to they will have a memory of you and the best is to capitalize on that first impression now what how do you make a good first impression and that is knowing your unique value proposition now most people that i talk to whether they're clients or not um they struggle initially with coming up with their value proposition they don't know what makes them unique they see their skills and experience and they just like lay it on the table on in an interview and expect the other person just to connect the dots for them and to to see their brilliancy because they have a good reputation because they have a good work ethic because 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 that is not going to work what is really important is that you control the conversation and that you start off with a really good first impression and give your elevator pitch you're describing your unique value proposition what sets you apart from those other three to five candidates that they're going to see for that interview because they have the same capability so again it's all about the first impression that you make so you have to be crystal clear on that and that is a big part of what we do in a pivot your job search program is making sure that people that join the program the first thing we do before anything else before your resume before talking about your interview strategies and so on is work on your elevator pitch making sure that it's authentic because we don't want to just wax on paper uh, words on paper we want it to be authentic and we want to be true and we want it to enable you to attract the jobs that you want and repel the ones that you don't want so we want to create that clarity and those are people that are generalists and specialists that 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 we actually that i get them to to work on that pitch so it doesn't matter what your background is and that you say like oh, i have a, a gap year I'm, I'm too old and ageism plays a part it's all about how you package your skills and experience so that's the first mistake in an interview is making that first impression or not making that first impression. Secondly is not being prepared. That's the second biggest mistake. Now, fair enough, people do their uh, research. They research the people they, they're going to meet. They research the website. They read the annual report. They look at the figures that they have and so on. But here is some news for you. That is not preparation. That is standard preparation that everybody will do that. That is not preparation that will set you apart. 
Preparation that will set you apart is understanding the type of interview. So, and that is only one one little part because like interviewing is a whole subject and preparation is a big big part of how you're going to succeed how well you prepare is the, the defining if you will succeed in the interview so let me give you an example most people prepared like i said they go through the website the interview and and so on uh, the sorry, the website, the the interviewers, their bio, their LinkedIn profile, and that's how they prepare. So what I want you to do is shift and actually like understand first of all what are they really looking for. There is so often a disconnect between the job ad and what they're really looking for. So it's your job to actually fine tune and define whether it's a job ad that they put on from ten years ago and just like uh, took and put back on uh, online, or if it's really a job that's just crafted from scratch. So you need to find if it's standard template or if it's a, like a, a really bespoke kind of job ad. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that you have to understand like what type of interview it's going to be. Oh, I'm so amazed how few people ask that question. So there is a big difference between a competency base, a scenario base, uh, just going through your resume based interview, um, a behavioral based interview. And you need to know what type of interview it's going to be so you can prepare accordingly. So like, before I work with my clients, they say they might say like, "Look, it's a behavior. Uh, sorry, it's a um, an interview. I've got an interview. I have to just prepare, prepare, going through all their their website details." But in reality, what they need to do is knowing what 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 kind of what type of interview it is. Because if they're just going through your resume, it's going to be a very different interview than when it's competency based or when it's behavioral based, and you need to prepare differently for that. Also, if it's a HR interview or CEO interview or a technical interview, very different interview again. So you just can't wing it at that level. And a lot of people, they they, they think like, oh my God, I'm good in interviews. But what got you to a certain level is not going to get you to that next level. And you need to shift your interviews. Another thing that I see in, uh, in terms of, uh, of preparation, is that people don't shift from being in an interview that talks about your capability to an interview that actually demonstrates your leadership skills. And sometimes you have to do both, but basically they often forget that last part, the leadership skills demonstration, because that is very hard to demonstrate. And that's what we will work towards in the program also. So the first uh, the first mistake is um, the uh, not giving a, a good first impression or not giving a first impression, and the second one is not being prepared. All right, let's move on to the third one, and the third one is that people don't know how to create engagement. Now. Um, uh, somebody is asking a question on LinkedIn. Uh, they ask, like, can one ask what type of interview before the day? Yes, yes, definitely. So coming back to that, it is a really good question. So uh, depending, actually, it doesn't really depend who organizes the interview. 
If it's a recruitment agency that's organizing the interview, ask them all the questions, the salary questions, type of interview, if they have placed there before, what are the type of, uh, if they have placed there before, what type of person that uh, the interviewer is, if they show their cards or if they keep it uh, close to their chest. If it's uh, internal HR, you might not want to be so uh, direct or candid about the salary, You might, but you can definitely ask what type of interview it's going to be like one of my clients um, uh, went for a senior c-suite uh, role and uh, she never asked that question but in the interview she was often caught off guard because of that so she called me up she was so excited she had an interview and definitely in this time people are like uh struggling to find to get interviews so for her it was like yeah this works caroline what you teach me so let's actually like see uh and plan out and and uh what do i do need to do to prepare they said very simple what type of interview is it going to be she said oh can i ask that question like i said of course you can so she asked that question uh to hr and hr came back with uh, it's a behavior based and competency based interview and so and she sent that send that uh, answer to me and she said like i'm so glad i've asked because i never thought i could so yes definitely you can ask that question all right so the third mistake is not creating that engagement this is a big one is because most people are sitting ducks in an interview they don't know how to uh, convert that one stream conversation into a, a, a two-way street and so and it's so important that you create that engagement because otherwise you're not sure how they uh, they might just like nod because they, uh, they 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 have heard your question but you want to know to give relevant examples to those questions and you want to be rememberable uh, by answering their questions so that is so creating that engagement is really important so you give it the first impression and then later on you create that uh, engagement piece and making sure you have that to way straight um another question um is it okay to ask the interviewer the company for two references from ex-employees um I, I wouldn't see why that um of ex-employees i wouldn't understand i wouldn't directly know why you want to ask that question is it okay to ask the interviewer so the company for two refer references from ex-employees yeah, okay, no, I do understand why you would ask that question. You want to ask um, if what they're saying and what they're telling you would be 100% applicable and aligned with what you're looking for in an organization. Um, and if it's a hundred percent fit and it really depends on which level because I can't see with uh, who you are or anything like that so I see just LinkedIn user um, so yes you can definitely like ask for um, ex-employees but you also have to see what kind of market it is like if I know I, I have like um, uh, five candidates to, to interview and it's a candidate rich market so driven my like there's a lot of offer for candidates and it's not that high role I would find that a weird question if uh, somebody asked me it's almost like uh, you can do like you can talk to uh, people within the company but ex-employees 
um i would say like individually you can reach out to them and say uh, um like i'm exploring uh to work for this company seeing that you have uh, uh worked there before i was hoping to have like a, a conversation with you because there are a couple of questions that i want to clarify so i think that's a better approach if you want to uh, ask that company for if you want to find out more about that company then ask an interviewer about two references of ex-employees um it, it could work but i haven't seen it done before so and i personally as a hiring manager i would find that very um a weird question almost because i would um say you can talk to my any colleagues or future colleagues and meet the team and stuff like that um Somebody else asks me, is it okay to get the names of the people who will interview? Yes, of course. Oh, this is something that if people don't organize an interview and don't give you the names of the people that actually are uh, interviewing you, that you can't prepare. You need to know if it's a peer, if it's like a, um, a hiring manager, like and you just can't know hiring manager. You need to know if they're established in the company, how long they have been in the company. You have to have some background uh, into who those people are. So definitely ask the name of those people. Another question was like the employer asked the candidate for responses. Can uh, you? Can, I don't see a reason why that could stop you, but I wouldn't do that uh, personally. I uh, I would find that very weird. And uh, if somebody would ask like to talk to to ex employees, um, but you can go on a tool called or a platform called. Um, Glassdoor, my God, almost forgot the name. Glassdoor, and basically Glassdoor gives you a review of all the people that used to work in that company. So that is actually going to give you insights about the how the CEO of, uh, might be or uh, the directors, managers, how it is like uh, like to to work in that company. So go and check out Glassdoor. Um, another question is, many companies that are interviewing are not happy if you have worked in so many different places. How do you justify why you moved around? I find uh, this to be reason why I fail in interviews. Is there a general way of answering without giving the actual reason like your contract uh, was terminated? Okay, so doo -doo -doo, you're interviewing and so... Look, there, there, is it is it feedback that you have had that they? I don't think so, to be honest. Okay, there's a couple of things you have to look at when you think you make an assumption. Do you have that feedback literally? Because if they invited you for an interview, they most of the time can see from your resume already that you actually have had uh, several employment opportunities, and still they chose to interview you. So they saw something in your background, in your interview, um, in your in your uh, career history that was good enough to invite you for an interview. Otherwise, they're not going to waste their time. So my question to you would be like, is there an assumption that you make or is it really uh, the reason why um why people are declining because if they invite for an interview they see on your resume that you've worked like uh, every year for a different company or whatever it is so it's really important for you to um to be very clear what the feedback is and if you 
instead of making assumptions, asks. And with feedback, guys, it's really important that when you ask feedback that you don't just randomly say like, oh, what's the feedback of that interview? That you actually like um, are very specific on what it is that uh, that that you need to um, what you need to improve in the interview. So you can literally ask it, but be specific. So you can say like, look, um, I'm just like making this up. But what what are the three things that actually that uh, that I can improve on on the next interview? Um, I didn't feel strong about the example I provided about stakeholder management. Is this basically, um, did that come across or is that the same feedback that that you would have? And if it's HR and HR wasn't in the interview, then you say like, look, is it actually possible to write an email or to talk to the hiring manager that interviewed me so I can actually improve my interview skills? So it's time to be more assertive instead of like being passive. You need to be assertive and you're not going to get every time that opportunity guys but just by the fact that you ask and you don't have to have everybody that comes back but if there's one two three people then you have information enough to improve your skills hope that makes sense um what is the most appropriate greeting as we can no longer handshake <laughs> people people uh, give um you, you can make a joker out of it, almost like an icebreaker if it's face-to-face, -face, but I would follow their, their lead. Um, uh, like, I wouldn't handshake. I would, if you still can do the elbow by the time that people see this, uh, because that might change also. Um, but I would follow their their lead in terms of uh, doing that, uh, the, the greeting. Um, and make like like you can even say that like oh what's the best way like how do you want to do you want to elbow give elbows <laughs> and so on hope that helped Nicole um, Greg said how many questions should I ask at the end of the interview oh love this question okay so I'm a big fan of like what I said in the beginning so the first impression is also very important one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is actually not being uh, rememberable. And so how to be rememberable is by asking questions at the end of the interview. Now, those are questions that um, you don't ask questions like, okay, what's the, oh, you ask those questions, but not in the beginning. Um, like, what's the, the, the culture like and stuff like that. Questions like that will give you information. Now, you don't want to do that, Greg. You want to actually ask questions that you can use to almost confirm your suitability for the position. And that's how you give a remarkable um, impression at the end, a good lasting impression. So the best is to have a, a questions ready between three and five questions, but you have to keep in mind the time. So for example, at the end of the interview, if it's been a long interview and they say like, hey, Greg, do you have any questions for us? Then you can say like, look, actually, I do have questions. Uh, I know we have been like a little bit, uh, like already 50 minutes to an hour. I, uh, do we still have time to actually go through it? Because the last thing you want to do, if a CEO, general manager, or a manager, director, or whatever level the person is that you're interviewing with, doesn't really matter. If they are short on time, they're not going. They're going to rush through your interview questions. So you have to, uh, if you know it's a long interview, not if it's a short one, but if you know it's a long interview, always ask. Like, look, I have a couple of questions. Can we go through it now, or do you want me to actually, or should we schedule another coffee catch up? And that's basically another touch point of you. 
if it's a short interview, you want to make sure to have between three and five uh, questions ready. You Typically, you have time to ask three uh, questions. And like I said, you don't want to ask questions that just give you information about interview. You want to ask questions that position you as a suitable candidate. So there is a different way in asking questions. And it's a whole topic, so I can't go into it in, in this session. Um, but you have to be mindful not to ask questions like a, um, a question where you would just get information would be a question like, what's the organizational structure? It's like you get that information and you say like, okay yeah all right makes sense you're not really going to like be able to dive deeper in into that example so you have to really be strategic about the questions that you ask at the end hope that makes sense greg um i'm now convinced it's an assumption thank you for your answer okay perfect i'm really glad for that all right let's go back to um the mistake so we have already so not a good impression that's the first one not being prepared that's the second one not creating that engagement that's the third one the fourth one is like um not being rememberable so that was what greg asked about that question at the end you have to really end with a bang you have to open with a bang you have to end with a bang so that is really important that you uh have those two going um and because People's attention spam, and this is why this is so important, people's attention spam are the biggest in the beginning of an interview and at the end of the, the interview. And if you don't create that engagement piece in the middle, that, that's like people will doze off. Like if you ever, ever interviewed, you will actually notice that. You will like know that when you dip out and dip in from an interview because some if the person talks too much or gives a too lengthy example, you're like, okay, what am I going to have for dinner? All right, um, am I going to pick up the kids tonight or is my husband? So that's why that engagement piece is so important. So the beginning, engagement, and the end. Okay, fifth biggest uh, mistake that I see is giving the wrong example because basically they don't create that engagement. And so then they uh, give an example and they use all the right structure to give an example and they think they answer the question, but maybe that's not the right example to the, the question. So give you an example. Um, you can have a question about uh, stakeholder management. So uh, a person, because 95% of the people, they follow their guts when they interview. They don't have any logic behind it. Um, and they say like, oh, uh, how do you do, it? How do, you do stakeholder management? And you just go and give an example. But by giving that example, you have to realize that like all the other candidates will give a similar kind of process or give an example about how they do it. And it might not make them unique and might not make them answering the question well enough. So if you have the, um, how do you do stakeholder management? Then you can simply say, like, look, stakeholder management has been always a big part of my, my career. And I've worked with internal and external stakeholders, uh, with my immediate team or with directors or CEOs. Like, what kind of stakeholders will I be dealing with in this role? And then you can give an example that is relevant. 
a lot of people don't even ask a question to understand what kind of an example is relevant. So they just blur out because they're just like, they're nervous and they're not prepared and just they blur out an example and they get lost in the example. It's way too long. And so they, 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 they just don't give the perfect example to the company situation, to the situation of the interviewing. So that is why it is so important to actually like be able to create that engagement because if you create that engagement, you're able to give examples that will resonate with them. And this is, you know, in the beginning I said to you like, okay, uh, there are three reasons why you didn't get a job. So the first reason is because I didn't have the, the right mindset. There's no cultural fit. And the third reason is because you didn't convince them that you can do the job. So if you give the wrong example, if you don't resonate with them, you don't convince them. And that's why it's so important. Okay. And then the last one. This is a big one, guys. So I'm glad that some of you are still here because this is the biggest mistake I see time and time again and that is that people don't know how to handle objections so the best example that i can give you is that uh, they invite you for an interview you have one interview you have two interviews you have three interviews then you uh get rejected and they said like look hey you were very good they really loved everything but we chose another candidate with more industry experience we chose a candidate that had experience with managing bigger budgets we chose a candidate that had um experience um uh, managing a bigger team all these things the reasons why those are objections and it's your job in an interview to handle those objections. Now, for you, those of you that are working sales or actually have a sales component in their job or ever worked in sales in any capacity, you know that in sales, you have to answer, uh, handle objections. This is what we do. So in an interview, it's all the same. You're selling yourself and you have to learn how to answer, handle objections. And if you know you don't have the industry experience, then there are ways to call out the pink elephant in the room and really talk about that because it's so important that you really create that because otherwise if you just wipe it on the, the, the carpet pretend it doesn't happen it will come and bite you in the bum bum just because like you will get that feedback at the end of the interview so it's your job to um if you the way you handle objections is first of all to seed plant seeds all the way through the interview and this comes back to your preparation you see how it's all linked guys um so when you do your preparation you actually know okay these are their objections that they will will, will probably have i don't have the job title i have worked in different organizations uh, uh recently um i have i don't have industry experience i worked in small companies this is a big company i worked only in big bureaucratic companies with a lot of resources this is a small startup company where you have to be resourceful of the uh, with the budget so all these objections you write down and then you think like okay how am i going to plant seeds along the way during the interview so i can call it out in some way you don't literally call it out you don't say like oh i know i don't have uh, experience in finance but no you don't do that because that's bad bad, bad way of calling it out when i say about the pink elephant in the room you have to really know how to do to influence how to navigate that process because you have to do that in a subtle way not a straightforward way 
so don't twist my words on this one. <laughs> um, so I, these are the, the mistakes. So I will repeat again, the six mistakes. The first one is not making a good first impression. The second one is not being prepared enough for the interview. The third one is not creating an engagement and just like being a sitting duck. The fourth one is actually not being rememberable uh, at the end of the interview, so not being able to ask key questions that positions you right. The fifth one is that you're not able to give the relevant examples that will resonate with them. And the sixth one is that you don't know how to handle key objections. So those are the six big deadly mistakes that you can make. So if you are in a stage where you actively looking, whether you're in a role and you're, uh, you're contracting or employed in a in full-time role, doesn't matter, or you're in between jobs. And uh, if you're actively looking, I want to invite you to join my Pivot Your Job Search program. Like I have like candidates or clients in the program that are getting interviews, that are getting job offers in this market all over the world. Those guys are amazing and they're learning so much in how to actually position themselves right and navigating this interview process. And if you are finding it challenging, if you are stuck, if you're bashing your head against the brick wall time and time again because you're not getting ahead, because you get rejection after rejection all the time, I invite you to actually go and check out and start working with me. Because basically, it will not only help you with your confidence, it will not only get, get your resume, your LinkedIn profile, cover letter, uh, and so on. It will not only help you create your pitch and your unique value proposition, but it will also get you more interviews and the interviews you need to land your next job. And if you don't change anything in that process, you're going to get the same results. And so that's why I want to invite you to actually make that happen. So I will pop a link below or you can go to my website and check out my program there, but I will pop a link below. Um, and if you have any questions, reach out to me. Um, I'm here to help and, and, and serve you to make sure you have the right information so you can make the right decision for you. If you know anybody that needs to hear this information about the six deadly um, mis interview mistakes that six-figure job seekers make, share this because nobody almost talks about it and it's things that I see time and time again. So this information could be useful to somebody that you know. So make sure that uh, you share it with them, that you like it uh, because the more likes and engagement I get on a post like this, more people uh, will, um, will see it and the more my reach expands. Um, please connect with me if we're not connected. And uh, if you have any questions, reach out. All right, guys, thank you so much. And I will see you later. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Career Disruptors podcast. If you did, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. And if you want to take the next step in your career and you want to discover how I can help you, head over to my website, newhorizoncoaching.com.au and discover how we can work together or download any of my free resources. Thanks again and I'll connect with you on the next episode.